Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to MedterraCBD.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to save 15% upon checkout. This podcast is also brought to you by Sickwix, Sickwix.com, S-I-C-K-W-S-I-C-W-I-C-K-S.com is where you can get all of your soy wax-based candles. They're awesome. They smell great, and i got to figure out how to do a better live read for them, especially when talking to one of my potential sponsors on the podcast. It's his third time on the podcast. He's always a pleasure to have him on, and he is a, uh, a great representative of the LS2 helmet brand. He's also just an all-around good guy who likes to talk about dirt bikes and all things two wheels. John Cluter, welcome back to the podcast. Good morning. How you doing? Hey, not doing too bad. It's a beautiful Monday morning. Uh, Atlanta is in the rearview mirror. It was, was was one of the most boring Supercrosses we've had in the, in recent memory. Uh, there wasn't a lot of passing out there. The only thing that we did get to enjoy was the East and West 250 boys coming together. Uh, I know that's one of your favorite things where uh, th- those these guys just uh, it's 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 everyone all in the same party. You get to find out who's uh, who's for real, who's a pretender, and uh, yeah, Adam Cincerillo comes out on top. Not a bad showing. I was uh, really impressed with AC. Um, uh, one of the guys that works with us uh, is a huge AC fan and uh, was uh, was kind of giving me grief. I, I, I have kind of adopted Austin Fortner as my favorite rider because I'm, I'm from the Midwest in the U.S., and uh, so is Austin. And I remember watching him on a Peely bike and, uh, you know, thinking back then that this, this kid's from another planet. This kid's going to be amazing and you know he's had some injuries the last couple of years but uh you know he kind of proved who he was before he signed his pro deal um you know just dominating uh uh, as an amateur uh and then you know really on tv dominating the uh the monster energy cup uh, a couple years in a row on the junior bike so i was i was really happy to see the way he started this year basically winning every every race he had been in um so it was it was interesting to see how things were going to play out. So we were kind of jabbing back and forth on Saturday night, and and I was telling, I'll call him out. His name is Davey. I was telling Davey that uh, that there was you know no way that AC was going to beat Fortner. That you know Fortner probably would 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 let AC get the uh, get the start, and then he would kick it into gear and and you know lap him. And I was wrong. I uh, I. You know, I I have to admit I uh, I I like AC. He's a great rider. I love that. He, you know, he, he's a phenomenal rider. Um, but I but I really thought Fortner was going to run away with it, and uh, he didn't. So to to Adam's credit, man, he's been Mr. Consistent this year. I hope he stays healthy. And uh, you know what an absolute you know phenomenal uh, stable of riders Mitch Payton's got right now. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, he's got some, uh, he's invested in the future at Garrett Marks Banks. He's, he's invested in, uh, uh, the, uh, in the past with, uh, with a guy like, uh, Martin Davalos, who, uh, admittedly looks a little bit 
not himself. Like, like not it doesn't quite uh, like the the riding style is there, but the speed isn't quite where uh, I'd expect it to be. I think that's uh, part and parcel with uh, being. I think he's coming up on 32 years old. I think I saw a picture the other day of him riding a a steel frame carbureted Suzuki 250F, which means uh, that's 2005 or older. Um, and uh, yeah, like that, the guy's been doing it for a long time. And then yeah, you got the young guns in. Uh, uh, Austin Forkner, who has been extremely dominant on the East, and uh, Adam Cianciarolo, who basically, in all for all intents and purposes, this year is finally doing everything that we expected him to do for the last five years. Yes, that's well put. Um, I think uh, what you're seeing in Cianciarolo is, you know, not to speculate any, you know, we're, there's still a lot of season left, but. I, I I don't know how long Savachi's deal is on the on the Monster Energy Kawasaki team, but but I gotta think that AC is gonna look really good in in green again. Oh yeah, I think so too. Four fifty. I uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think you're totally right about that. The, yeah, he's 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 got the right body build. Um, he's got a just a he's got a great personality. He might be one of the funniest, most well-spoken guys in you know in racing right now any form of racing he just sounds intelligent you know it's funny i i kind of tease my buddy davy i say you know the guy looks like a dentist he, he, he looks does like he's in med school he, he he looks like the guy that would be drilling your teeth and not a guy that would be basically drilling you in the corner um you know in you know just just absolutely um, like 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 two two faces. He looked. He's he's one guy on camera, you know, with, without a helmet on, and then you man something happens, you know, switch flips, and he's just he's an animal. Um, so I'm I've been really impressed with him this year. I'm happy he stayed healthy. Um, I hope I hope his health holds up this year, and I and I hope he continues to you know to to create distance between him and everybody else. I, I you know I. I I'm a bigger fan of his now than I probably ever have been. So, uh, being, especially seeing how he's had to kind of persevere through through some through some challenges. Oh yeah, he, he's gone from being the uh, sort of the people's champ, the kid that came in winning, I think, three of his first five Supercrosses. Uh, just like all kinds of hype, all kinds of talent. The videos, the the edits, the um, like. He was like everyone was just put so a uh, pressure, but also accolades on him before he even really uh, earned it as a pro. Um, which I think I don't think it was unfair, is because he had such a dominant career. I think even probably I think people had more expectations out of him than they did even a guy like Mike Alessi coming out of the the amateurs. Um, and then like not by uh, like sketchy riding or 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 just inconsistency of, as far as performance goes like right from the get-go of um of his uh like like supercross he gets hurt hurts hurts his shoulder comes out for outdoors has uh violent food poisoning isn't isn't able to get back up to speed until i think he didn't get back into it until round five or something like that uh went through a ridiculous growth spurt had both of his shoulders come off uh i think he also did a knee in there somewhere like most these are uh, these are injuries that your average man your average person would 
take these injuries and probably go to dentist school, actually, is that they, they would probably pack up and decide to do something else. And uh, he's decided that he wants a little bit more, and there's more in the tank, and we're finding it now. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool. And, and uh, I, he's just a fun guy to be a fan of. Uh, extremely well-spoken, like you said. Uh, he could... He could um, he could run for uh, for parliament, no problem, and probably get a few votes. He's, he's just that charismatic, and uh, on and off the bike. Uh, I did like the uh, the the celebration after the uh, the the win this last weekend, which had to have been a big one for him. And actually, it's very reminiscent. And I'll, uh, you've been dropping uh, football stuff on me all all, all uh, podcast so far. I'll drop a hockey one on you. Like when he when he put the bike down. He just went to the crowd like, "What's up?" And there was a, uh, yeah. a uh, there's an NHL player two seasons ago, maybe maybe three seasons ago, Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks. That every time he'd st- he'd score, even if he was in the opponent's rink, he would he would turn to the crowd and say and 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 you'd, he would mouth the words, "Stand the fuck up," and uh, <laughs> that's basically what what Adam did. And it was, I thought it was. Like just a statement, like yeah, I just won that, so stand up. And uh, he was feeling good, he was pumped, and uh, yeah, he he he. he I, I don't think anyone loves to win more than Adam Cienzolillo right now in the 250 class, and honestly, I don't think anyone hates to lose more than him either. And that's a bad combo because there was another there's another guy from Florida who used to ride like that, and uh, he uh, he did pretty good. So I don't I don't want to make any predictions, but I'm seeing some parallels there. Uh, that, let, let's yeah, let, let's uh, let's not go that far just yet. But <laughs> I, I will agree with you that he's he looks like like he realizes this is the last year on the bike, and he's he's riding like like he's he's in a contract year. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll drop another football reference on you, um, and and he and he clearly is. Um, this is an opportunity for him to get paid next year. Um, and to, you know, not just, I mean, when you're in a 250 deal, um, you know, most of your listeners may not be aware of how most of the team deals are structured. So I'll kind of give you a peek up, up the skirt. Yeah. Um, when you're on a 250 team, typically all of the apparel, um, helmets, the, the goggles, all of the, you know, boots, everything are, are all team deals and you don't get a cut of it. You're paid by the team. You know your your salary essentially. You're a you're a contractor, but you're you're under contract with them to to ride. And all of the endorsement deals, all of the you know all of the other stuff, uh, typically is at the level. If it's if it's if it's motorcycle or uh, gear related, it's it, these are their team deals, and the team basically finances the team through those deals. Yeah. When you graduate to the 450, um, not always, but more often than not, it is uh, a you know you're you're obviously riding for a team if you're on a factory team or if you're on one of the uh, uh, higher level uh, non-factory teams that maybe get some some level of support uh, from a Suzuki or KTM or whoever. Um, but beyond that, you you typically have major sponsors, you know, like 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 with you know the with the Butler team. Uh, you have obviously you have Rocky Mountain and Fly and a few other uh, people that 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 are you know helping keep that that rig on the road from week to week. Yeah. To help 
to help out with the, you know, obviously rider salaries and, and uh, the, the personnel. Um, but typically the head to toe deals um, are, are separate on the 450s. So it's a rider can, can actually make some pretty good money in, in endorsing uh, products. Um, and typically the, it's, it's, not always this case, but a lot of, you know, if you're a more established rider, you don't want a head-to-toe deal with the same manufacturer because it's not worth as much. So you want to you want a deal where you've got a helmet from one brand, your goggle is another brand, your your kit, your... Uh, your, uh, your gear. We, call it, we call it gear here at the Big MX Radio Podcast. All right. Your gear is another brand, and then you know, your boot is yet another brand. And typically those deals are worth the most so depending on who you sign with out of you know whether it's you know coming in as a high esteemed rookie on you know going from the 250 to 450 you can buy an awful lot of uh, you can buy an awful lot of sushi you know yeah you know, going back to a food poisoning reference <laughs> um with with the amount of money that uh could be coming his way if uh if, if he finishes uh, at the top of the championship for the, for the West Coast and then the overall um, East Coast, West Coast shootout. So I don't think you've seen the last of Fortner in, in the East Coast, West Coast. I, I would oh, not no. be surprised if, if, uh, if, if Fortner puts on a show in Vegas. I, I hope he does, you know, personally. But, you know, I'm I, – I will uh, – I'll be surprised if uh, if AC's not riding under the Monster Kawasaki team next year on a 450. I think you're you're totally right about that. At this point, so we'll see about who his teammate is. Lead, you know, leading into something you you mentioned before. So yeah, there's been a lot of speculation there, and yeah, I don't know. Um, Tomac is probably one of the three most talented riders on the big bike right now. Um, but we just haven't seen the consistency week in and week out. So, um, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. No, ab- absolutely. It seems like every week we're waiting to see which Eli shows up. Uh, it's, it's, it's puzzling a lot of the time, uh, as far as the starts. And then, like, I feel like two years ago or a year ago, uh, that same bad start was followed by a feverish, uh, charge to the front. And he'd get there. Whereas this year, uh, that same charge either doesn't doesn't happen, or there's stronger competition stopping him from being able to slash through the field, um, or or he also just gets a, a great start and see you later. Um, like we haven't seen him get past too many times, but when uh, when he does start back there, he's not moving through the pack the way he did, say uh, Atlanta 2017, where he went from basically dead last to knocking on the door on the last corner. Um, and, and, and meanwhile, uh, I think if I have to look at the, uh, the, the points right now, but, uh, as far as I know, um, Cooper Webb, after we're, we're just over half of this uh, season done has a a healthy lead and it's going to be tough to rip it away from him at this point. Five wins now. (laughs) Is it five or six now? I think, five I think this maybe it is six. I thought it was five now. This is nine rounds. All I know is 
I, I called his career over on the 450 at the beginning of the year. You did. Um, I did, and I was very public about it, and uh, I, I, I look like the, the idiot that I am. So, um, the you know, the guy has been amazing. Um, I I remember when he signed with that team saying that if anybody could fix him, it was DeCoster. Yep. And uh, I don't know that Cooper necessarily needed fixing. I just I think that he needed focus, and, and, and for whatever reason, he just didn't seem to have it. You know, I heard a lot of stories about weird things that were happening at the Yamaha team this past year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I won't go into that if, if this is going to be broadcast. Millions um, of people. So, so, so I'll just leave it at that. But there were a lot of there was a lot of rumbling as to how unhappy he was there, and that he was basically looking to looking to leave. And uh, you know, when when they signed him, you know, when when Tickle, when when you know when Tickle had you know his run in with with, uh, with Wada, um, and the FIM, I I thought that, well, okay, who's who's going to make the move? And and I predicted Baggett might be the guy because he he was probably the the next best performing guy on a KTM. It would make sense. But since he had essentially the same bike anyway, I think they left him where he was. Yeah. And uh, they moved on Webb, and I thought it was a mistake. But the, the kid's got immense talent. And, you know, I saw him ride as a, as a guy, and, man, he just absolutely dominated on the on the 250. And uh, – uh, but I, uh, I did not see this year coming. I, I will admit that nobody did when I don't think Cooper Webb did. I think there's still every once in a while that I think he, he kind of like laughs on the podium. He's like, this is not where I expected to be. There's a lot of season left. I'm just going to say that. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of season left and this is, this is far from over. Oh yeah. You know, I just, what blows me away is, is Cooper Webb's ability to race past these guys. Like that's not what we saw years previous. Like, We'd see him in, in third, and he'd be, like, kind of happy to get a third or just sort of, like, didn't have anything more in the tank where, like, he's now he sees Roxon and, and Marvin in front of him, and he's, I'm going to go get those guys. And he goes and gets those guys. Right. Yeah, he's reeled them in. You know, I uh, and I don't know what's wrong with Marvin. And, and, and it's hard to say there's anything wrong because, I mean, the guy the guys look better in the whoops this year than in years past. He's just, I, I don't know, I guess I kind of felt like with Dungey retiring that it was Marvin's time, right? Yep. And, you know. I think it's the knee issue that he's, he's, he's dealing with. He still isn't. He's yeah. not 100%. Yeah, I think you're right. But he's been, consi- I mean, he's been consistently there. He's, it's not like he's, you know, going out for six or eight laps and then throwing an anchor. He's, he's, he's there. He's fighting. And and he's looked, you know, he's looked better in the rhythm sections. As I know, I'm repeating myself, but you know, that's always been his, that's always been his weakness. And looking at him now, I I tell you that I think he's just being outridden by a teammate. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I was a, I was a Web fan. I'm not now because he's at the top. I I don't <laughs> like rooting for the guy at the top. You know, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up, and then they won all the Super Bowls. And, uh, you can cheer for him now. Uh, yeah, I sure could. Yeah, <laughs> there's still too many. I mean, it's, it's you know what? It's too easy to be a Cowboys fan. 
Um, For sure. I live in Kansas City. It's kind of hard to be a Chiefs fan year in and year out, but, you know, we, uh, we're loyal. You got a runner now. Actually, wait, you don't have a runner anymore. You've got a, a thrower. You had a runner, yeah. and I had that runner on my fantasy football team. <laughs> yeah. analogy in there somewhere Jeez. with the way that Kareem Hunt uh, did a lot of fantasy owners. Yeah, I get a so kick out of that guy. Uh, oh, but it's fitting that he ended up in Cleveland. But yeah, it, it, tire I, I, I fire. Digress. Let's get back to let's get back to dirt bikes. Um, yes, sir. Uh, the uh, the season. I said it said it before. The season's far from over, and I I still don't think Webb wins it. That's just my personal. Nothing against Cooper at this point, but I think that somebody like like Roxon, Roxon's riding smart this year. Yeah. And on the night that he doesn't quite have it, he's right there. And fifth is better than the DNF. And I think that the week in week out long game uh, is something new that that K Rock has has not necessarily. Uh, managed to ascribe to over the years and I think that if he stays healthy um, I think that there's enough guys gunning for Cooper and man to be 100 and what 145 pounds or whatever he is right now on that bike um, I just think that something something somewhere along the lines is, is bound to happen where he gets bucked and and uh, ends up missing some time, and you know through no fault of his own, just bad you know bad break. But I I think that it's I I really think that uh, that that Roxon's got a legitimate shot this year if he stays healthy and stays smart and stays within himself. Yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. I think uh, uh, he's definitely shown the speed, just that like that one percent. That you need to win the races uh, seems to be the one thing that he's lacking. But just being there every single weekend, his lowest points on the on the year so far is 18. So I, I believe that's a fifth. Um, it's just uh, yeah, like it, it, over and over again. Um, these KTM guys and and occasionally Eli gets the better of them, but uh, it like the dam has to break. Uh, maybe it's Daytona, maybe it's Indy. Um, they got seven more chances to, uh, to, de- to kind of, uh, dethrone Webb a little bit. What, what, what really starts to, like, sort of sink into me is that over the last, uh, um, four races, how many points Eli Tomac has given to Cooper Webb. That's basically the entirety of their current seven or 22 point difference. Um, that, that, that is way too much. And, uh, it's, it's getting to the point where, uh, Eli would either have to rip off some wins and have, uh, and have Cooper crash out on one of these things for for the the, the script to flip, but because I I don't see uh, I don't see Cooper uh, getting some fifths and some sixths uh, like we've seen uh, uh, Tomac get. But also I would I wouldn't have said the I wouldn't have said Eli Tomac's going to get fifth and sixth either, and and that's what he's been doing the last few weeks. So other than his win in Detroit, yeah, you know, to watch him the last few weeks, you almost think there's something wrong, but. You know, I think we'll know a lot more after this weekend. I, you know, this is his track. I mean, yep. you know, he may be from Colorado, but Daytona <laughs> seemed like home 
you know, since that, uh, was it 15 where he basically rode that front straight yep. on the rear wheel? Every, he did, every he did. Lap. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if if he looks like that, Eli, there ain't nobody going to touch him this, this weekend. Um, we'll see. But my, my early prediction on this weekend is if, if Eli is Eli, um, it's, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll take Eli instead of the field. That's, that's how confident I am in, in him on that track. So it's the closest thing we have to an outdoor event. And, uh, it's, it's gonna, and I think, and I think he's gonna ride it like it is one. Yep. Just ride it like you stole it. And I, I but, uh, I think that, uh, some other guys might have something to say about it as far as the speed goes. I think, uh, um, probably the more, most adaptive guy, uh, who's actually had a bit of an uptick in his results recently is uh, Blake Baggett. I think uh, he's he his uh, he he might uh, be rolling into Daytona with too much uh confidence for anybody else to deal with. Uh who else of the 450 class has kind of stuck out to you? Um is it is it Chad Reed with a podium performance in uh, it has a triple crown so like it's like you don't put an asterisk on it but it's sort of like a weird podium because like there's a lot of different ways you can get a podium in a in a triple crown. Um is it is it is it uh is it the fact that Brayton looks just as fast as Chad at uh, at a lot of times at a lot of these races? They're both pushing thirty five years old, um, or is it the that the forty six machine of uh, of Justin Hill uh, in his first full year as a four fifty rider has yet to really show anything other than a top qualifying in Houston and currently sits fourteenth in points. You know, I'll take the bait and I'll I'll talk about Houston or you know pardon me, sorry Hill. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I think that I, I really don't know if it's just been pressure or what it is, if it's mental, but he just hasn't looked like the Justin Hill that came out and, and rode, you know, some, some of the, uh, 450 events last year and just looked like, like he was made for the bike. So, uh, man, I, that has really stuck out to me. I, I expected him to be in the top five at this point. I felt like he had he had all the skill. Um, I you know, I don't know if he battled an injury. I don't. I really don't know what it is. But man, he just he looks like the second guy on that team. And I mean, let's face it. You know, Reed's Reed's a fill-in guy. Reed wouldn't even be on that team right now if somebody didn't get hurt. Yeah, so, exactly. You're not wrong about that. So you know, thank thank goodness. You know, I'm sure that the that the JGR guys are are super happy with with Chad Reed at this point and. You know how fun is it to be to, to be Chad Reed to come out with basically what do you have to prove? You're a two-time champ. Yep. Everybody thinks you're already you know you've got a built-in excuse because you're like sixty. Yeah, you might as well be on a two-stroke. Right, exactly. And and he, he looks like he's riding like he's having fun. He's being smart. He's and 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 I don't know if that's put pressure on Hill because he's seeing this guy that's like twice his age go out and basically whip it every week and man i don't know i mean i i was i'm really surprised by that i i did not see hill's performance this year coming yep. and uh and frankly i didn't see reed either so um good for good for good for chad um i think it's awesome he's probably the closest to my age out on the track definitely is years but but uh but it is nice to see an old guy uh, perform. 
Um, you know, Brayton did so well at Daytona last year that it's kind of hard to count him out. Um, look, you know, that team is not really a privateer team, but it's pretty cool to, to use to, you know, it's not like he's, he's, you know, begging for gas between truck stops, you know, in a, you know, in a white Fox fan, uh, in, in between rounds, it, there's a big difference between being that level of privateer and, you know, uh, somebody that, that is fortunate to, to make the night show at all. Yeah. But, um, it's pretty awesome to see a guy, you know, 34, 35 years old going out there and not on a, not on the same factory Honda that, that, uh, Sealy and, and, uh, K-Rock have go out and kick everybody's ass. Um, and, and, you know, so it's hard to root against a guy like that. And he, you know, he, he seems to do well at this track and, you know, fellow Iowan, um, you know, I'll, I think it's going to be Tomac or or Brayton that surprises this weekend. I know that's that's kind of taking the the over, but you know I'll uh, I I I just think that uh, Brayton's looked good. You know he's he's, he's looked really good this year. Um, I think Tomac's inconsistency uh, maybe he's just working through something. Um, this it's the right track at the right time. Yeah, um, and I I'm looking, get him off Supercross a little bit for a bit. I mean, what friggin' I think Baggett lives about an hour from that track. You know, I think the compound is the the Chupacabra Ranch is is about forty five minutes outside of of uh, Orlando. So it's you know he's probably he can sleep in his own bed on on Friday and sleep in his own bed on Saturday. And a lot of these guys don't have that luxury. So you know, Blake Blake might go out and surprise. You know, I really can't say it's a surprise because he's kind of owned that track on a on a 250, and he finished third, what three years ago uh, when he was on the RM. So, you know, it's a it's it's. I'm just excited that we're not talking about the same guy all, every week. Yeah. You know, I you know it's, we're not talking about Ryan Villapoto or Ryan Dungey. You know, it's been a while since we've not had to basically find things to talk about. Because well, who's who's going to take basically, who's going to take second in the championship? You know that's not the conversation we're having. Who's no. going to win weekend? And we and we're still early enough in the year that nobody's got it. Nobody's got it sewn up. So this is this is awesome. It's the best thing that could have happened for the sport right now. Outside of more people watching it, yeah. Um, and uh, and and we've got genuine interest. Uh, from from a lot of people, and the coolest thing is you're seeing these non-factory teams be competitive, which is great. Um, I think it gives the everyman help you know, a little or a little bit of hope. Um, and 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 beyond that, I think you've got you've got pressure being put on some of the factory guys, which is perfect because you know that's when that's when fun racing happens. You got guys that know they're they're in a contract here or they're they're a fill-in or and they're trying to make it a permanent or whatever it is and now there's probably five guys that could go out and win Daytona right now and it's been years since since you could say that hey big mx listeners thanks for listening to this episode check out these commercials support our sponsors we'll be right back to the show thanks for listening
Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Dot com. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The collective experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. 
What's up, Big MX Radio listeners? I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio podcast. It means so much to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully you guys find some information that you didn't already get from another podcast. And uh, if you guys have any requests whatsoever on content you'd like to see on the Big MX Radio podcast, please send me either a direct message on Instagram. If you're not already following, I hope you do. It's bradgebhart88 on Instagram. And you can also find me via email, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Hit me up in the DMs. And uh, thank you again for listening to these uh, really important commercials. Uh, We do our best to uh, plug our sponsors. And I hope that you guys support our sponsors like Medterra CBD as well as uh, Maxima Racing Oils and uh, Fly Racing is coming on soon and uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks again for listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. Garrett, Dale, all all my good friends that are listening, I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time to listen to the podcast and uh, thanks again and uh, let's get back to the show. Oh yeah, there's like uh well Justin Barsha missed this last weekend with uh with 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 an injury but like there's at least five guys that can win this this race uh you you could make an argument for Dean Wilson you could make an argument for uh a healthy Justin Barsha or a healthy Coral Seeley like all three of those guys have speed to do it I don't know if they have the fitness or the right mixture to make that happen in this particular year just when like for those guys to win, they kind of need all five of those other guys to have an off night. But like, yeah, like you said, like literally, you could take the top five and just throw it in the a, a randomator every single week, and that's basically what we've been getting. The craziest part about it is that uh, people have been hitting that uh, shuffle on the results this year, and Cooper Webb's been on top just about every time. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's been an awful lot of fun in that regard. I, you know. Every every week I wait for the shoe to drop on Webb, and every week, you know, recently he's proven me wrong. So yeah, same maybe here. He'll go out and maybe maybe he'll go out and and lap the field this weekend. I, uh, you know, I, I I hope he doesn't because I don't think it's good for the sport. I mean, I I don't I don't wish any ill will toward him at all. No, uh, I just I would like to see somebody else make sure that he doesn't expand his lead at this point i i think that you know if you've got 22 points separating him and, and tomac that's not insurmountable no and there's guys in between that could step up and jump up and and uh and, and a lot could change i mean you know roxon you know rocks it wouldn't surprise anyone if roxon went out and dominated this weekend he lives in florida he lives not very far from daytona mm-hmm. he's acclimated to the to the to the climate I mean, gosh, probably a third of the guys now live in Florida full time. So, you know, it's it's kind of become the new, um, you know, training grounds, and you know, it's a little more affordable than Southern California. There's a whole lot of reasons why. No state income tax. <laughs> but beyond beyond the obvious, it's such a great place to train because it's miserable in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, and it's hot throughout the year, so. Um, there's no supply of rain, or no 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 supply shortage of, of moisture, so you can, you know, and 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 land is affordable. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if a guy like Justin Hill went out and won. Yeah. So I think that might surprise me. I I I, I I'm not going to follow you on that one. I think I would be legitimately okay, legitimately surprised. 
uh, if Justin Hill was to win this weekend. I, I would not be surprised if he posted the fastest lap time in qualifying. Don't get me wrong. The guy's got, the guy's got speed. Um, I, I just can't guarantee uh, the kind of uh, uh, that sort of result. What, what would you predict from uh, uh, sort of a steady, um, a steady veteran like a Kyle Chisholm? You know, he's been Mr. Consistent. You know, he's he's right there in the, you know, at where the bottom end of the factory guys are, are landing week to week. So in that, you know, he's, what, 14 to 17 has kind of been his average range. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's the 450 class this year is so stacked, which is awesome. And there have been very few injuries. I know Barsha, you know, had a concussion last week in you know uh in a practice crash and it kept him out last weekend but hopefully he'll be back this weekend and um but but for the most part you know even osborne's back there's only what i think the only guy i can think of off the top of my head that's not going to be you know only guy that that started the year that's not going to be there this weekend is, is anderson and yeah he won the championship last year so that's kind of a big deal but you know, I I I would tell you that I was I was probably as surprised as anybody that he won the championship last year, just because I don't think that, in my mind, he's that type of a rider. He's fun yeah. to watch. He, he he looks, he you know, he reminds me a little bit of Bob Hanna, um, back in the day. Just the look, it's like knees and elbows. Like the yeah. about, the bike is bouncing and, and exactly, and, and you know, the jersey's flapping and there's just there's you know. He's like a real life version of those cartoons from the seventies and eighties, where like the, yeah. like just like the the exaggerated, uh, just yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, exactly. And and you know the way that he rides is not conducive to winning championships, uh, at least to to that point where where last year he I think he tried to ride within his range more, and I think he grew up as a rider. He's a fun guy to watch. And uh, it was bummed when he, when he broke his arm, and it looked like a nasty break. But, um, you know, I think that what you're seeing a lot of these guys, and I know there was an article uh, that I read maybe a month ago about how a lot of these guys have really started to adopt that, that dungy mentality where if you don't have your best stuff, it's better to finish third than it is to, to not finish and uh, live, live to fight another day. And you're seeing that play out week in and week out. It's I think it's made the season a lot more competitive. It's given us something to talk about, um, where us armchair guys are are, uh, um, you know, you know, talking out our butts and and, yep. and and predicting. And you know, it's the reason people are listening to these podcasts because it's not so open. You know, it, or it, it's wide open. It's not so closed. You know, they're. Gosh, in the last ten years, you know, eight races in, how many times? You know, how many times would you say that the guy that was on top at that point might not win? Not pretty rare. Yeah, pretty rare, absolutely. So the fact that we're, I mean, I think the four fifties are more competitive than the two fifties. Uh, and for sure on race winners so far. Yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, it's been it's been a you know so for that reason, I think it's it's great. You know, unfortunately, I have to tell you that the, you know, the last three or four years on the 450 bike, you can basically just, you know, you can put four names on a, 
you know, on a, on a wheel and spin the wheel and you're probably going to come up on the same name almost every time. Oh yeah. Especially there's even, there was years where it was even worse than that. It was basically just, uh, there was Ricky and Chad, Ricky and Chad, Ricky and Chad. Right. And then there was just the, the Ryans. That was it. Uh, and then like, yep. There were certain years where, like, there's that's why Ryan Villapoto ended up with a number of seasons with 10 or more wins, is that there just wasn't anybody else there to really challenge him. Yep. Uh, so, so I didn't really answer your question about Kyle. Um, hmm. You know, that he can he can drive. I, I, it's probably, you know, he, I don't know if he'll drive over, and, but I would imagine he'll probably stay somewhere near Daytona on, on Friday. But the guy, the cool thing, you know, for a lot of these guys in Florida is they can, they don't have to fly. They can bring their families. They can, yep. they can do, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's a home race. It's the closest race to, to Tampa, you know, area where he lives. So I think that you, you, you get a guy like that and, you know, they're still trying to feel that bike out. Um, they've, I think they've made a lot of progress on that bike. And, and, and I think that he's, he's looked more consistent on it week after week. Um, you know, a few weeks ago when he was battling Tomac in the heat race, I mean, I, we are, we couldn't be happier, um, to, to be working with him. Um, you know, it was a very late in the, uh, off season, um, uh, opportunity that presented itself for us at LS2. And, and man, uh, Kyle's been such a great ambassador for us. He's, he's well liked, he's well spoken. He doesn't really have any enemies. Um, and, uh, he's, he's, he's a family guy. He's got two little girls. Um, you know, his, his wife has a Instagram page that, that, uh, she'll make you laugh. Um, and, you know, so, so there's a lot, there's a lot to, to like about working with him. Um, so, you know, I guess as a fan, I would love to say, you know, I'd love to see a top 10 out of him. And, and I don't think it would surprise anyone if he, if he cracks the top 10. He looked, you know, he's looked great when he when he was on the 250 the, the past couple of years, um, and I think he finished seventh or eighth in the points. Um, I think what he's what he's proving is that you know, you can you can crack 30 and and you don't have to fall, you know, completely fall off the map. I think if you look the way that, that guys like Grant have ridden uh, recently, obviously Chad Reed, um, Justin Brayton. There's a whole host of guys that have cracked 30 that that uh, I think have maintained the consistency. They they've kept themselves in shape. They they don't put things into their bodies that will, you know, make them age. You know, I think he's he's careful with what he eats. Um, he still works out like a fiend, um, and and he's really kind of had to ride himself into shape. He didn't get on the bike until I think Thanksgiving. Uh, in the U.S., which was the last part of November, so he had basically four weeks on a on the Suzuki. He'd never ridden the bike before, and uh, didn't have a race bike until the week before uh, A1. So, uh, and then they made a exhaust. They they some, made some changes within the. Yeah, they went from Bills to Yosh late, late, late. Yeah. So they, yep. So they've. I mean, they've. You know. He, he had a he had a surgery that kept him out of the outdoor last year and uh, forced him to basically become a gym rat and and have no time no seat time at all. So you know after you know after two months we couldn't be happier. I mean he's you know outside of the lawn dart um, that he had in that first triple crown, um, uh, 
you know, he's he's been in he's been in every race, in every main event, outside of that one, uh, where he was hurt. Not hurt, but the the bike was pretty wrecked, and he he did some wrist damage. Um, but but outside of that, I mean, he's been he's been there, and that's that's really as a as a sponsor, that's what you want more than anything else. I mean, the results are awesome. You know, being able to you know you know put top tens, top fives, whatever it is, um, on your uh, you know you know on your Instagram feed after a race, that's that's all great. But the main thing is being there every week and having the pit experience and having, you know, making sure that you're not missing six weeks or eight weeks or most of the season. And, and he's been great for, for us. I mean, he was, he was great with, with his other helmet sponsor for years and years. He had a great degree of loyalty there. And yeah. That, that was the biggest surprise that you guys pulled him away from that sponsor that he'd literally, I think he even wore that helmet uh, when he'd race for Canadian teams, when he'd come up here, like that, that was a big signing for you guys. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about that. I mean, I've, I've known him a little bit over the years. Um, uh, I worked for another helmet. Well, I've, I've spent like 20 plus years. Uh, I started this when I was three years old, you know, uh, no, I, but I have been, I've been working in, in, in the helmet related industry, the, the, protect, the protectives uh, related industries largely over the last 22 years. And, um, my last company I worked with, um, we launched a brand in the U.S. and and we worked with Blake Baggett and Christoph Purcell. So that those Florida connections with Christoph and with Blake um, kind of led to meeting other people um, through them. And you know, Blake actually introduced Kyle and I back in 2015. And uh, so I didn't think we were going to have a budget um, for our uh, you know, for, for the 2019 season. And, you know, we were kind of quietly looking to see if there was a 250 opportunity that might present itself with a second or third tier team. And it just never got to something we were comfortable with. And we made a, uh, we, so we, we, uh, we decided at the very last minute in the early part of December to, to go ahead and just see what was out there. And I reached out to, like three guys in a row on like December 4th and basically got told, sorry, you know, still got another year or got two years left on my deal. Um, so I sent out a bunch of emails. Um, and I, I remembered that, you know, that Kyle, um, you know, Kyle been loyal. I think he'd been up, he'd been in his last helmet deal for like seven years. Yeah. So I thought me it's kind of a, probably a waste of my time but i was you know after getting told no three or four times by you know tier you know, by, by guys that may or may not make them the night show um that i thought you know what i have no idea what it's going to cost me but he's a good dude um he's super photogenic freaking supermodel good looks for a dude um and and uh just and he's been consistent He's, you know, outside of getting hurt last year, you know, he's been Mr. Consistent, you know, one of, you know, a small handful of people who, who had seat time every weekend. Yep. And Number 11 doesn't hurt either. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so I reached out to him and he, and he fired an email right back to me and I'm like, huh. And he, and he said, Hey, I, I, I listened. He didn't know anything about us. 
So I kind of told him a little bit about the company, and he remembered that we had talked three or four years before about a different helmet brand. And I explained to him what we were doing, why it was different, how it was um, it was going to have a lot of people scratching their heads because it's you know so different, so radically different. Our our take on on how to protect somebody in a moto type crash versus a high speed road crash. It's a totally different environment. And and I ran him through it, and I had tried to explain to him the best I could, you know, over text, you know, phone calls and, and email. And I said, let me just let me overnight you a helmet. So I sent him a helmet, and he loved it, absolutely couldn't believe the venting in it. And he's like, I'm gonna go riding this tomorrow. And I'm like, well, aren't you still under contract? <laughs> so he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, you better make sure the moto paparazzi don't see you, you know, and, and catch you wearing that because yeah. it's gonna it's gonna create some problems. So we did everything kind of under the cover of darkness, and uh, um, he loved it. And he already had a contract in hand that he hadn't signed, uh, and that was the dumb luck, the, the kind of the Forrest Gump moment that we that we that we were fortunate with. Normally, um, that late in the year, he would never have been available, but because he didn't ride outdoor last year, um, and he was considering not riding outdoor for 2019 and, and focusing more on doing the Euro. Uh, basically using the breaking training method uh, and, and doing the Euro events in maybe Australia and, and, and basically riding Supercross in, you know, during the time of the year when everybody else is still, you know, on a, on a outdoor suspension and, and basically, you know, staying in shape, being ready for a one. And uh, so it took them a while to restructure a deal that made sense. And it basically bought us enough time to kind of, you know, be in the right place at the right time. And uh, so he loved the helmet, um, had a lot of questions about it, and had a lot to try to explain. It's, uh, you know, even even with pro athletes, you would think that, you know, some things are, are easy to figure out, others are hard. But there's so much misinformation about how helmets are constructed and how um, – how impacts take place that a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. And they maybe have watched a video or watched some guy from a famous Japanese brand, uh, give a product demonstration. And then therefore everybody else's product because it does this or doesn't do something else must be junk. Right. And when I explained to him why we were doing what we were doing, um, by, by trying to you know, manage energy from the outside in, rather than the inside out, it made sense. And he's had concussions. And, you know, and to a guy that's been loyal to a helmet brand for seven years, um, you know, I think there were there were probably people questioning why he would make the move. And then there were others that, that not only questioned, but, but why is he making this move, not just assuming that it was a money grab or whatever. Um, you know, the other helmet company he was with made a good offer. Um, it was consistent with everything they've ever done. Um, but what we were what we were talking about was different. And um, we've we've used him heavily in North American uh, advertising, and uh, we've done a lot with him, you know, online via social. Um, and you know, frankly. Uh, what it came down to for us was, you know, we're a global brand. 
we're the number one selling brand in the world. Most people don't realize that, but in the U.S. now, we're probably the third best selling overall brand by units in the U.S. And we've done that in very little time. And the, the brand's only been in the U.S. now for going into its eighth year. Um, we've been in, in Canada now more recently for about, I think, four or five years. And we've partnered with Kimpex in Canada, and they've done a great job of growing the last couple of years. So we've seen, you know, just, you know, massive exponential growth the last few years in both the U.S. and Canada. So we wanted an athlete who had raced in Canada. We, we had this long list of things like, in a perfect world, what would we do? Mm-hmm. We wanted a guy that, that, that was familiar in Europe because we, we, are, we are the most, far and away, the most sold brand in Europe. Um, the brand is based in Barcelona. We are owned by a, a much larger uh, entity. Uh, but, but the brand is controlled and, and run, and all the, and all of the marketing and all of the, the product development is, is done in Barcelona. So we wanted a guy that that would be recognizable in Europe. You know, Kyle's won Bercy; he's finished second. Uh, he's raced Geneva. He's done a lot of overseas events. So right. Check that box. You know, it gave us credibility in France right off the bat. Which Plus, he's a, like you said, he's a good-looking man, man rocket. Yep, good, good, good-looking dude. Doesn't hurt. Um, and, you know, then, you know, obviously he, he's, you know, he's had, he's had some success in Canada. Um, he's, he's been consistent in the U S and, and just an all around great guy. And, and he knows product, you know, that was the big surprise. I've worked with a lot of athletes that just, they'll put whatever you tell them to on their head and blindly loyal to the paycheck or, blindly loyal to the the logo just yeah. because they assume that if that logo then it must be good you know Kyle had a lot of really good questions and um you know after he had that nasty lawn dart uh at that first triple crown um you know I you know I I, I haven't jokingly told him this but I, I told my boss I'm like that that impact you know was the single single-handedly paid for you know, our financial obligation to working with him. Right. Because the way that he, the way that he crashed, it was, I mean, I, I've had a couple of our reps who are also, um, you know, they also work with a couple other helmet brands, uh, more expensive helmet brands. And, you know, one of them, you know, referred to it as our Zach Bell moment. And, uh, you know, not to, not to really mention the other brand on, on, on your air, but right. um, there was a, there was a moment several years ago when that brand came to market and Zach Bell had an absolutely horrific, you know, crash and walked away from it. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody would argue that, that, uh, you know, Kyle's crash was just as nasty. And if you look at the way that his head twists, um, you know, if not for that combination of neck brace and, and helmet, um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure what would have happened. So we, we could not have been happier. Um, but, you know, what we've done is very different. Um, most everybody looks at plastics as the cheap way out. And in, and in large in large regards, probably for good reason in the past. Um, there was a time 25 years ago that if you – Windex on a plastic helmet and then dropped it, it would shatter. You know that you know, but but chemicals have changed so much in even recent years that what we're doing with our helmet is is combining uh, 
you know, a traditional injection molded material, uh, it's a proprietary material, but then uh, using pulverized or nanoparticle aramids and combining the two. So what it does is it has more flexibility than a traditional laminated fiberglass or carbon fiber or Kevlar or whatever. Um, you know, all of those materials have a polyester resin or a plastic resin um, holding everything together. And, you know, if, if you take any of those materials out of the, you know, if, if you were to basically go back in time to before those materials were, you know, had the, the resin applied to them and hardened, they're all very soft, very, you know, very pliable. Um, they'll move, you know. You can fold them over on themselves. Um, all we've done is we've taken the that same material and made it microscopic so that you're able to take a helmet material and give it the slipperiness in, in the event of a, a dragging crash where you're sliding through an impact, like um, instead of, you know, once you scrape through the paint layer of a, of a fiber-based uh, laminate, the helmet has the friction coefficient or the amount of friction um, increases exponentially, and you're more likely to have some sort of a in a drag and dragging impact, which is maybe not as likely on a supercross track, but could happen on on a motocross track. Um, you know, pinned, you know, third, fourth gear, um, something bad could happen, and you're sliding through. And you know, you you hit a you hit an area where suddenly the the helmet starts to grip, and then it starts to twist. So with with our material, it's very slippery, um, it, and it also has a, a great a greater amount of flex. And you know, flex has always been perceived as bad because it it has always kind of signified cheap for some reason, and you know. Historically speaking, there have been a lot of inexpensive helmets that, that were made of plastic, but this is not a traditional plastic helmet. It's a, it's a combination of, of a couple of high-end polymers, and then they're blended with a nanoparticle aramid. And so it, it flexes the way that an injection-molded helmet would in, in, to a certain extent, but it tests. And it, and, it with, and it withstands an incredible amount of impact energy and penetration-based energy from, from projectiles. And, and, it, and it does that in a way where it makes it kind of the best of both worlds. And it manages more of the energy from the outside in rather than the inside out. So what happens typically in a laminate helmet, like a fiber, fiberglass or carbon, Kevlar, whatever, um, Helmet hits, head compresses, very little of the impact is absorbed by the outer shell. Most of it is absorbed by the EPS or the stuff that looks like styrofoam on the inside. That has typically taken about 90% of the impact. Right. Where our helmet is different is the outside of the helmet in the initial impact crashes uh, and, it, and it begins to collapse. There are a bunch of very small... Um, crumple zones on the inside of the EPS that, that sit against the shell material that begin to crumple so that it makes way so that the, the outer shell can com compress even more. 
before the head begins the initial, we're talking about split, you know, nanoseconds. But if you can delay the amount of time that that initial impact takes place to when the head begins to compress from the inside out, what happens is you, you begin to prolong the amount of time that it takes for your brain to come to a stop in a, in a crash. And, and ultimately what we're trying to do is just increase the amount of time that it takes your brain to come to a stop because the more, the more abruptly uh, your brain comes to a stop, it usually hits the inside of your skull. Right. Or in, in a rotational impact, it, it, it happens where your frontal lobe and, and the rear of your brain, it twists. So you're hit, you're, you're not just getting a, your, your brain um, bruising in one spot. You're seeing hematomas on the front and the back. Right. Because of the, the way that you violently impact. So what we're trying to do is just make the amount of time, that split second time, as long as possible. So, you know, when, a, when you know when when a guy lawn darts like like Kyle did on you know in that and we've we've shown that video and you know a lot of places have shown that video over and over and over again and you know like anybody else I panicked when I saw the crash the first time of course and then I realized immediately he was fine you know he hurt his wrist but he still rode the next week but you know he he gathered himself as the bikes were still going by got over far enough and. and pulled his goggles off he had the wherewithal to be able to figure out okay this is this still going on i need to get the hell out of the way whereas you know you've seen some guys hit so hard like that and they're out and bike falls on them or they fall you know into traffic and there are guys trying to veer and they're trying not to you know run them over and then usually secondary and tertiary impacts take place where maybe somebody's skid plate hits the guy's head again um you know he never lost consciousness he never saw you know that that flash i mean i've had far too many concussions in my life <laughs> to tell you that yeah um but but you know so i i know exactly what to ask as far as what it, because i've had enough of them that that i can tell you that this is what you experience you get this flash and it's almost like this like this like all the sound disappears for a split second and it's like almost this weird ringing like your ears pop and if, it, if, it's, if it's violent enough, and none of that. And, you know, and I didn't think he would have that because of the way that we've designed it. So we worked with MIPS. Um, our, our helmet is a, is a MIPS-licensed helmet, but it doesn't use a expandable, stretchy snap basket uh, the way that most of the MIPS helmets on the market have approached using MIPS. Okay. And our helmet actually is purposefully built where the entire surface of the EPS on the inside that, that sits against the comfort liner is in-molded. And what that means is if you look at a, the way that a traditional bicycle helmet is made, it's got this really, really thin polycarbonate material that kind of holds the EPS in place, um, you know, but it's very thin and it wouldn't really protect you if you, if you hit the right. EPS does its job. It's, it's so basically there to hold the EPS together, really, is what it is. It's just basically a, exactly. A, yeah, an enamel. I think using simple, using simple logic, um, a uh, a dome is the strongest man-made structure, architecturally speaking, because of because because of the way it's constructed. You can 
you, you can apply pressure to the top of a dome and it won't collapse in and on, on, in on, on itself. Right. So what we did with the EPS is you, you've got this in-molded slippery material that allows the, the liner to slide against it uh, so it's effective in a, in a, in a linear or a nonlinear uh, rotational impact. And more importantly, as the outer shell begins to you know, morph you know, in, into the shape of the surface that it's coming into contact with, the EPS begins to collapse from the outside in, but not from the inside out. Now, it will continue to compress, but the cool thing about it is the, the head form retains its structure. I mean, I've seen some nasty, violent crashes where a helmet is delaminated so badly where you can stick your hand through the, the shell, like through the hole, and the inside of the EPS is completely wrecked. It's, it looks like a... Like if, if somebody was going down the highway at 75 miles an hour and hit one of those, you know, foam coolers and oh. it just exploded into a thousand pieces where you've got all these little pellets flying everywhere. In the yep. um, I've seen helmets that look like that because of a violent crash. And what our what we've done with ours is that the head form, the interior of the of the surface maintains its shape there's a video of me i'm like i said i'm like six four two thirty of me jumping up and down on just our eps now we did that kind of as a joke because years ago uh one of our japanese competitors made a really big deal about how strong their shells were and that how shell strength was the most important and that you know a a subpar shell would collapse in 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 an impact so if if you could you know, if you could hold a 180 pound man jumping up and down on it that it must be a superior design. Right. So we kind of we kind of thumbed our nose at that and thought, you know what, let's have some fun. And we were in a sales meeting like a year and a half ago, and, and on a whim, I didn't know if it would work. I said, let's just see what would happen, you know, using that, that theory of the interior being domed, uh, you know, basically taking a surface and, and, and lining it. But I said, if this is – I said, if, if my theory is correct, this will not collapse because I – I stepped up and I jumped up and down on one that didn't have it, and it shattered just like that that you know that mental image you have of hitting the cooler at 75 miles an hour. Right. And I jumped up and down probably 25 times on our EPS with the with that MIPS uh, uh, approved liner, couldn't break it. And and I think everybody like I could I could hear and feel the air in the room just kind of get sucked out because everybody's jaw just hit the ground. He couldn't believe that it did that. Yeah. So middle middle of the summer last year, I think it was July, we've been shipping that helmet for about six months. We had some guys starting to race in it. We, we worked we work with uh, uh, David Pulley, who had a nasty crash uh, at James Stewart's house, and uh, no concussion, was just fine. And he was giving us great feedback, and uh, you know we had we had some B level riders around the country start wearing it, and we had a GNCC guy on uh, in the Pacific Northwest where it had a race where he cross rided in third gear pinned, and he estimated he was going close to 45 miles an hour, and he hit head first into a tree, and we saw this helmet, and the entire chin of this helmet was like collapsed, but he walked away with no concussion. Because the chin bar, like a crumple zone, 
collapsed in and on in, in on itself and we took measurements of the EPS and the EPS compressed like 20%. No, but the impact was absorbed largely almost exclusively by the shell and then the secondary uh, portion by the EPS. And, you know, that was the biggest testimonial. Now, the funny thing that happened is, you know, we posted the photo. It, we got the photo from the guy. We got the helmet back. And uh, he, he sent us a, you know, thank you for saving my life, you know, type type message. And so we posted this. And, and the next thing we knew, we had competitors, you know, showing this helmet in their uh, – in their pitches saying, see what a you know piece of crap helmet this is. It look at look at how it collapsed. Totally missing the point. So people do that sometimes. Over the past, over the past you know six to eight months, uh, it's provided a huge opportunity for us to kind of reshape the thought process that that people are now. You know, it's t- it's taken twenty five years of, of reeducation. Um, oh, and, 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 and you know, people have always in recent memory believed that a, a helmet had to be a super hard outer shell that there no flex and that you know flex was bad and you know they would do the chin bar test where they take a mx helmet especially and then they'll just kind of squish it you know in front of the uh you know the area that would be your cheeks and and see how much the helmet flexes and if it and if it flexed it, it's a piece of shit helmet well, I'm going to tell you, our helmet flexes not a ton, but it does flex, and it's done by design because the shell material is designed to do that. So what we're seeing over and over again is that you know people are having nasty crashes. They're walking away without any issue, uh, and it's the perfect combination of the way that the way that the interior EPS has that lined you know in molded material and the softer. Uh, nanoparticle-based uh, shell, and uh, you know it did its job on Kyle's head, and uh, you know I think he's, uh, you know he would probably wear that helmet. Not probably putting words in his mouth, but I think, you know he wore the helmet because we we, we had an agreement with him. But I think he would wear the helmet now even if we didn't because he's hit. He, he that's about as hard as he's ever hit, and there were there were no negative impacts on, you know, on his uh, memory, on, on anything. So uh, it, it, it's all worked out, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, what we're doing is very different um, in, in, the, in the way that the shell material works. And uh, even in plastic helmets, you know, there's a lot of discussion that you need a really, really hard plastic and that a chin bar shouldn't flex and, and that this, that, and the other. Well, you know, what happens when it doesn't flex is it shatters. And... Uh, so if it flexes, it won't shatter. So if you control the impact and, uh, you know, essentially what I guess what I would say is if you, you look at look at the way a car crashes and just use that as an analogy. You know, in 1970, uh, 1970 station wagon, um, you know, you might you might hit something really, really hard and the car barely looks like it took any damage, but all four people inside it might have died because all the energy was transferred directly to, you know, th- they were the last thing to come to a stop and yeah. they hit their head against the dashboard or the a pillar or the, the front windshield. And maybe they, you know, went through it. Um, whereas, you know, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, somebody takes a head on impact in a Kia or a Hyundai or whatever. And the car looks like a, an accordion and they pop the, 
driver's door open and walk away. Yeah, seriously. If, if it if it took the you know so the way that the analogy I would use is that a lot of helmet manufacturers, especially when it comes to a motocross type crash, are still looking at building helmets the way that the the you know General Motors and Ford and everybody else did in the seventies, um, where what we're doing is is embracing you know, the idea that maybe you should do what you can to stop a crash from the outside in and the inside out simultaneously, not just rely on a really hard shell um, and, and hope that the EPS will compress a whole lot. So, you know, there's plenty of science to back up what I'm saying. Um, just a lot of people are kind of stuck in the, in the way they've always done things because, you know, it's the way everybody else has done things and nobody wants to be different because they're scared to be different. Right. And, and another thing that sort of comes to mind for me, and it's funny because like in the last uh, say four or five years, uh, we've seen more of an integration of it is, and with uh, the fact that it's, it's more, we're more of a global world than we've ever been. Um, the, the LS2 helmet uh, with exception of the, uh, uh, the very stylish, uh, extra that is is new for for you guys is a, a kind of a retro looking helmet. Uh, the the uh, the subverb or the subverter is um is a very European styling helmet. Uh, but that's become more and more acceptable or not acceptable but more accepted fashion wise. Um, yeah. when it comes to uh to racing in North America, um, like. What do you attribute that to? And, and sort of like co- companies like Arrow and, and yours have come over and, and yeah. seen success. You know, Iro, Just One, Ufo, you know, all of these companies have had moderate degrees of success in North America. Um, some of them were just maybe distributed by the wrong people or um, just didn't market properly. I think it's a, it's a product of a lot of things. Um, I, it's hard to say that that it, you know, look, I, I, I would tell you that even on our sales staff, there are some guys that our helmet is just way too aggressive for. They don't like it. They don't like the way it looks. It's just not who they are. You know, they, you know, if you look at, let's just, let's, let's, let's compare Italian supercars to, you know, a Corvette or something like that, where they'll both go really fast. They'll both do, you know, they, they both do it, you know, the, the Corvette and maybe the, the, the Dodge. You know, or, or North American brands uh, anymore uh, that, that still make a, a cool supercar. But if there were, um, they they kind of have their own look. They they all look alike in a way from about you know 100 yards away. You can tell one from the other, but they have kind of the swoopy line. You know, the Viper and the and and that era vet. They kind of had that same swoopy body lines look, and all of their Italian uh, counterparts had very aggressive, almost sharp edges, you know, aerodynamic, but, but very aggressive looking. And, and I think that, you know, the, the motocross helmet market is, is kind of like that. And if you look at whether it's, you know, any of the brands, quite frankly, that, uh, 
that are North American owned and North American developed and North American designed. They're all largely designed by a small group of people in Southern California. They right. all have a similar look because the, our industry is so incestuous. And so what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Like, so if one guy does one thing, you know, where, you know, I, I would tell you that I think that most of the American brands are kind of squared off in the back. They yep. kind of have a flat peak. They kind of resemble every, every flat bill wearing, um, Supercross fan you see wearing yep. a monster hat. The, 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 the shell or the, the, the peak off the front of that helmet is just as flat. It's just as extended. Yeah. And it just kind of has a very uniform look, whether it's. Oh, yeah. It's what makes, uh, pictures of Ricky Carmichael not look dated. Cause he wore, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, seriously, that, uh, that, that's what exactly. sticks out to me is that, like, a, a picture of Ricky Carmichael from 2004 doesn't look old because the helmet hasn't changed. So if you look at all of the brands, I mean, look, I've, I've done this long enough to know that it's a small group of people that develop products. I've worked with a lot of them, um, and I've been involved in the development of, I think, three different helmets that were on the gate last week in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I've worked more closely with probably half of them either trying to develop products or, or you know, in the bids to be in the running for most of the brands. So it's, it's all the same small group of people, and they all have their products made in one of maybe three or four factories overseas. Now, we're owned by one of those factories, so that makes us a little unique uh, in that we actually make our own product. But if you look and compare most of the European brands, I would tell you that they're largely similar looking to each other as well because just like in the U.S. and Canada – where a small number of people kind of control the way everything looks, the same thing happens in Europe. So there's a city about 50 miles uh, away from Milan called Bergamo, and it's it's known as Helmet City throughout Europe because there so many different brands are based there. You've got Iro and Nolan and oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now, but there's like there's like seven factories within like a 15 mile radius. And they all contract the same designers. They all contract the same artists, you know, Starline and Bargy and all these guys that, that, that do graphics for MotoGP and for, um, you know, for, for Supercross athletes and, you know, all of it. It's all done by the same small group of people. So why does our helmet look like, you know, these five other brands from Europe? Well, it's probably because they were developed by one of four people. And they all copy each other. I mean, they all are inspired. I mean, maybe copy is too strong a word, but they're all inspired by each other. No different than the, the way that the U.S. designs are done. You know, right. most of the, you, you know, if, you, if we pick Carlsbad in, in, in SoCal as our, as our meeting, our spot, within a 60-mile range of that, you've got all these different brands that are all kind of spying on each other. They all, you know, we're all friendly competitors for the most part. And, you know, we're in the motorcycle business. Most everybody tries to get along. And everybody's in it because they love the sport. They love they love motorcycling. So, you know, for the most part, it's good natured. Not always, but, but for the most part, it is. So you're inspired by this guy. He's inspired by this next design. And the next thing you know, you've got 
six products on the shelf that all kind of have a similar look. And then you take it one step farther when within a 18 month period, everybody's using, using the same color schemes. Um, one guy's colorways look exactly like the next guy's next year colorways. And, you know, if, if, super bright fluorescent colors are popular this year, then you can bet that four other manufacturers are going to incorporate the same Pantones into theirs the next season. Now, you know, now you're seeing more muted colors where you're seeing, you know, almost like mustards and, and mint greens and things like that, you know, kind of dominate the U.S. MX market and what one brand did, now everybody else is doing. So it's no different in Europe. They all do the same thing. Um, Iro has been very, very good about marketing themselves, and they have the best European, you know, MXGP athletes year in and year out. You know, obviously, Caroli's probably the most famous modern European rider, and he's been an Iro uh, wearer for, gosh, as long as I can remember. Um, you've got uh, Jeffrey Hurlings. He's an Iro, you know. Everybody here better get used to seeing that name a lot because he's going to lap the field if, if, the, if the rumors are true that he's coming to the U.S. to run outdoors. Um, and, and uh, you know, you'll see a lot more IRO as a result of that. Yeah. Um, but you've got, you've got uh, you know, Just One has, has done a good job in the U.S. in, in coming to market. And, uh, you know, they, they worked with Baggett and Purcell. And um, now they're working with Savachi. You've got uh, an UFO never really caught on in the u.s um although it's a cool looking helmet um and uh it's kind of expensive i think that was part of it so um you know but 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 ultimately where where uh where i think you see us fitting in is that you know these other brands have kind of paved the way there's been enough familiarity with the aggressive you know super swoopy, you know, big peaks that, 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 you know, kind of, kind of have the Darth Vader, um, you know, super aggressive look to them. And then, uh, you know, big chin vents and, you know, and the lots and lots of venting. Um, I think that that's what intrigues most people the first time they see these, these European brands is all the extra venting that, that the helmets tip, you know, typically have. And, and we basically just took that and, you know, 10 exit. Um, we looked at what some of the European brands had done with, with vanning and thought, okay, that's cool. Um, but can they get their helmet to pass, you know, the same standards and, and, and four times and add four times the vanning. So when I first saw this design, I thought there was no way they'd ever get it to pass DOT. And I'm happy to tell you I was wrong. Um, they did. Um, the, the vent holes are smaller on the U.S. model than they are on, on the European model, but um, they're still there, and the, the thing flows air like no helmet I've ever worn. And, uh, you know, I think that that's had a lot to do with why people have, have kind of gravitated toward it. That, and it, and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. In the U.S., it's two to $300, uh, depending on the color. And, you know, in, in some circles, people don't think it's expensive enough. And, uh, you know, what most people don't realize is these helmets all have to meet or exceed the same standard. So you're paying for things like materials. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, most of these other brands have to have somebody else make their product. 
there's another level of markup that has to go into it. And if they're paying multiple athletes like a brand in Europe that I mentioned before, you know, who, who do you think pays for those athlete contracts? Yeah. The consumer does. Of course we do. So, you know, that's where a lot of the difference comes from. You know, most people don't realize it, but they say, well, you know, it's made in China. Well, let me tell you, um, 80% of the helmets on the, on, on the gate for the main last weekend in Atlanta were made in China. <laughs> and, uh, they, they might be American brands or European brands or whatever, but look at the country of origin on the inside of the liner warning label. Yeah. The, the, the markets changed a lot. There was a time 40 years ago where people would have wrinkled their nose up at a helmet made in, in Japan. And now it's the benchmark. Right. That's true. So, um, the, the fact is, we we actually there are there are I think five countries of origin in in the materials that go into the subverter. Um, there are there are there are four different types of injection molded uh, plastics or or com- plastics com- plastics composites if you want to call a, the aramid uh, nanoparticle material. Um, you know so so there there's product coming from all over the world. We use EPS that we export from the US, from the United States. I mean, we do things that, that are unheard of at our price range. And, and we do it because, you know, we're on the gas right now. We're not just sitting on a, you know, you know, our road racing helmet, you know, we don't have a 20-year-old design that we're trying to pass off as still current modern technology the way that maybe somebody else still does. Absolutely. You seem you guys are, are pretty tireless at the, the innovation of uh, and just building this uh, the helmet better and better each year. We talked about it last week when we were sort of just like spitballing on the, over a conversation as we often do. Is that uh, like the the subverter is a great helmet in and of itself, uh, but the reality is is that uh, whatever replaces it is going to be that much better. You guys are pretty um, uh, like you guys don't settle whatsoever. It's pretty wild. Yeah, um, I've, I've already seen initial concepts. I mean, here we are only a year and a half into the subverter, and I would imagine it's probably still got another three and a half years shelf life. Um, it should have uh, before before any major change. Typically, most manufacturers, because of the tooling costs um, associated with, with the helmet, uh, want to try and, and, and have a lifespan of between four and seven years uh, because – Typically, you need multiple sets of tooling, and one set of tooling is going to cost you, depending on what the shell's made out of, uh, an injection molded helmet costs between 120 and 180 thousand for one set of molds, and uh, or a composite helmet is about half or a third of that. So you know, 60 to 80 grand U.S. on a on a fiberglass or a carbon fiber mold uh, set of molds. Whereas injection molding will cost 150 to 180 thousand dollars. Wow! So there's a lot of you know you have, you have to sell a lot of helmets to pay for the cost of the molds alone, and uh, so so you you know you have to see a certain amount of lifespan out of any product development 
idea unless it's just an absolute turd and doesn't sell and you, and you can't and then you just gotta you know you know chalk it up as a loss and move on but fortunately we haven't had that happen and uh, most of our competitors haven't had that happen they, they make it work you may dress it up with graphics or whatever um you know where that's where we're having a lot of fun right now is we're we're just we're trying to test the boundaries of of you know we we believe we have the safest helmet on the market i'll say it i mean i'll say it publicly we believe that our mx helmet is the safest mx helmet available regardless of price and uh that that there's a lot of people that would challenge that and that's great the fact that we're having that discussion at this point after basically 15 years of almost 50 years of almost no meaningful or or manageable uh changes being made in product development you've seen an arms race since uh since 6d really launched where where people are beginning to try and 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 come up with the net you know the the better mousetrap and and i I think that's awesome the 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 ultimate winner in that is anybody who rides because i think there are a lot of great choices you can make now um in, in in a helmet whereas in the past you were somewhat limited but now you've got people trying to innovate. You've got you've, you've got different materials being used. You've got different conceptual ideas behind what people want to do with the helmet to, to manage energy, whether it's uh, rotational force mitigation or this, that, and the other. You, you've got people thinking beyond just okay, how do we stop the helmet and, and you know the head and, and keep the helmet from disintegrating? That was the only thing people cared about for many many years. You know, that's that's all that mattered. There was no real development, no innovation, and and really, I think that's we've seen just massive, massive innovation since you know 2012, 2013, and people are really trying to you know to deliver something that that will that will do a better job, and regardless of the brand name on it. And, and I think that that's, that's great for the, the consumer. You're seeing the same thing in, in the football helmet arena. Um, you're seeing the same thing in, in, in uh, action sports. Um, massive changes, you know, focus on rotational force, focus on different ways to protect against linear or direct, you know, uh, impacts. Uh, and, and all of it's great. And, and, you know, what I was getting at, though, is, we believe that with with the subverter, you know, we have the right we have the right shell, we have the right design, and now we're ha- we're we're trying to have some fun with graphics. So we're experimenting with a lot of different materials. We we brought out these funky you know chrome based shells that then have like a transparent color painted over them to give it a different you know flavor altogether. So like we've got this like the one that's doing extremely well right now in the U.S. is the one that Chiz wore at, at uh, San Diego, um, which is this red, white, and blue. And the blue is like this chrome blue. It's just beautiful. And then we have an alternate blue and an alternate red um, that we have on another graphic. And so we're experimenting with some things right now for next year that if they end up working are, are, are going to one-up it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun just to see how – how how much we can push the graphics department in uh, in 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 thinking through um, the, the crazy ideas that we've been able to come up with. Uh, we work with a guy, a fellow Canadian uh, uh, from out, just outside of Vancouver, who is dude 
dude's crazy. Um, he gets inspired by, by, you know, it, it could be anything, but, but he's, he's, Artist got, you do. he's got some colors. Uh, he, he's got some colors that if we're able to pull off for 2020, they will be talked about and, and replicated by other people. They will be copied because they are so radically different. Um, that, you know, I'm not sure. And I know, I know, I know, uh, I know weed's legal now in Canada. So <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. The, uh, uh, the designs will only start to get better then. <laughs> More outlandish. So, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, basically, yeah, we're, we're trying to take some chances with color now and, and with designs. And, uh, you know, look, the, the helmet itself, the shell shape is very polarizing. It's either a love it or hate it. There's, there's very little in between. And look, you know, that's the reason why there are so many. There's a lot of good helmet brands on the market, and uh, if you like ours, please buy it. If you don't, just make sure you're buying something that will protect you if you ever need it. And uh, you know, ultimately, just uh, just make sure that you're not skimping on 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 your head. Absolutely. Uh, so where, where does the uh, where's the extra come in, come into uh, into play here? Pretty neat looking helmet. Like uh, a bit of a throwback lid. What like uh, before I let you go on this thing? What what's this thing all about? I'm, I have one of these in my office right now. So that helmet, you know, I have to be careful how I answer that because initially I was very against doing that helmet. Um, I didn't really see the point. Um, although now I have one and I love it. I don't really wear it. I, I've worn it. I have a I have a Ducati Monster and in it probably fits the street as well as it does MX. Yeah, it's like it's a very throwback MX, lid. Yeah, it's an MX helmet, but like an MX helmet from 1968 or 1970. Yeah, it looks like, very uh, throwback, very... Uh... Yeah. So it, it has like this early, like maybe late 70s, early 80s showy look to it. Yeah, and, I was going to say uh, the Bell Moto 3, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I know Bell has a has a has a throwback Moto Three uh, that that they're that they're selling now. But what makes this helmet unique is that it's it's a full carbon shell. Mm-hmm. It is a six K weave, which is like a Formula One type material. Um, it's it's stranded in a way to tr- to provide more surface area for resin, blah blah blah. I mean, I, I could go into all kinds of. But what, what I think the, the kind of the – there's a huge, huge, you know, burgeoning market for vintage throwback uh, MX right now. Of course. And you're seeing all kinds of vintage, you know, motocross racing happening all over North America, and you're starting to see it in Europe again where people are, you know, taking these old barn finds, and they're trying to get them race ready, and then they're trying to find period-correct gear and old-school buckle boots and, you know, Thorsten Allman, you know, vintage, you know, 1970-whatever, you know, apparel. And uh, then what do you do with your head? Do you wear a modern-looking MX helmet, or do you risk it and wear a vintage piece that probably wouldn't make it through tech inspection? So the owner of our our company is probably the most feared man in 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 the helmet the, the little helmet industry worldwide. Okay. 
and I've heard, without mentioning names of competitors, I've heard some of the biggest, most most popular brand names, you know, executives, you know, in, in small groups say that, that, that this man, you know, Arthur Lau, the L in LS2, um, is, is the most feared man in, in, in our industry because he's young enough that, that he's still aggressive, but he's old enough to know what he's doing. And so Arthur had this vision that he wanted to make this helmet. And we said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Put, you know, put your focus elsewhere. He said, I don't care if I sell any of them. I just want to, I just want to make a period correct looking helmet that would protect someone. And I'm going to individually number. And we thought, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then we got the first sample and we're like, damn, this thing's cool. And it turns out he put that same uh, slip system in the in the liner, so this has the same in-molded, uh, you know, surface as the Subverter. So it has all of the same bells and whistles as the Subverter, but it is a carbon fiber helmet. Um, but essentially, what he was trying to do was come up with a design that could be used in the street fighter crowd, the the the, the more cafe uh, racer inspired, you know vintage throwback you know, looking uh, road bikes things and then also you know have a period correct looking MX helmet that people could use with their 40 year old riding pants and, and yeah jersey and so it, or it, modern fast house stuff got a very it's got a little shorty carbon fiber peak um and then it's got a longer, more moto-ready, super bendy um, uh, injection-molded peak that, that um, is the same material that we use on the subverter peak. Uh, you can roll it up like a taco or a burrito, and it, and it retains its shape. It's pretty cool. I like it. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's not for everybody, but it's really cool-looking. It's incredibly lightweight. And it uh, and it looks cool on the road, and it would look really cool on a in a vintage in a vintage motocross race. I like it. I, it's uh, it's a it's a cool look. I, I'd love to, uh, if if for nothing else, have one uh, um, on the on the shelf here at the house because this is kind of a cool looking lid. Uh, we can talk about that, but uh, um, yeah, this has been a really fun podcast. I'm gonna bring you on, talk uh, some Supercross, talk talk uh, Atlanta, and then uh, get into the the ins and outs of uh, the the off road lineup, whether it's the fast, the subverter, or the or the extra. Um, which do you, do you think people uh, will gravitate to the most as far as fit type and uh, um, just overall uh, what they're looking for in a helmet? The subverter to me. Uh, Price point and uh, and, so the, and, the, the fast, and performance. The fast has made it. That's a great question and, and one that we get a lot. Um, Subverter has really kind of reintroduced this brand in a way uh, in the U.S. at least that it. You know, we've always been known as a street helmet brand in the U.S. and we've we've had MX product that just didn't didn't the market didn't want. It was good product. It was great product, but people just didn't want it. The subverter kind of changed that for us in that it reintroduced the brand to a type of rider that didn't even know the brand existed, and that that being the off-road rider. And all of a sudden, 
you know, it's one of the top, it's, it's one of the top, you know, 10 most searched items on most of the large e-commerce uh, motorcycle related, you know, websites in the U.S. last year. And those stores are growing exponentially with us year over year over year. And they're going, oh, my gosh, we can't believe what happened. And uh, so it, it's, it's kind of like a lot of people knew that LS2 was a brand in the U.S., but they just thought of it as a street helmet brand. Right. And then suddenly, you know, bring out this funky looking, super aggressive shell. And, you know, suddenly it, it's radical looking with all this venting and people are like, well, that's kind of cool. So they, they buy it maybe because it's not so expensive and they, oh, they'll take a chance on it. And then they find out they love it. And, you know, it fits really well. It's lightweight. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, it, it's been tested a lot in the field. And, you know, and, and thank God, it, you know, it, it's, it's done its job. And, you know, people are walking away from, from crashes. And that's the ultimate, you know, that's the ultimate test, right? You know, if, uh, if the helmet has to do its job, you know, you're relying on it to do its job and it performs, then that is the, you know, that is the ultimate endorsement. And we've seen that over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, we've in, in Europe now we've got Max, you know, we've got Max Noggle wearing it. Um, he had a DNF yesterday in Argentina. Bummer. Something wrong with his knee. Um, but, but, uh, you know, we've got, we've got high profile riders. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, the coolest thing is we're starting to see privateers guys that I, you know, that I, you know, I'm surprised when I see it showing up because they paid for it and they're showing up at, you know, we saw a lot of helmets at Loretta's last year where mom and dad paid for the helmet. And, uh, you know, I've been places before where you had to place a lot of that product. So this has been a big change and, you know, we're excited about it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, this, this bath though is the same shell material. So there's a lot of science in that inexpensive price point that if, if mom and dad are looking for that first helmet for a, for a kid, it's the only helmet I know of at, at, you know, under a hundred dollars us that has emergency cheek pulls in it. It uses the same KPA, you know, aramid suspended uh, polymer shell material. Um, so it's got, you know, it's got EPS in the chin bar. It's, it's both DOT and ECE. Um, so, I, you know, really we sell a lot more fast than we do subverters, believe it or not. But the subverter is the reason we sell more fast because the subverter is the helmet everybody wants. They just may not want to spend the money on it. So they buy the other one. But all in all, it, it, they help sell each other. Fair enough. Well, uh, where can people uh, where can people go and find out more information uh, on LS2 helmets? Where can people find one uh, in the states? Where can they find like as far as dealers go? Where can they find them in Canada? So, in I think in uh, you know, a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this, but you should be able to go into your local dealership and find our brand, um, no matter where you're at. And if I like you're it. Not, it's probably the dealer at this point it's the dealer's fault they're they're they you know they're like an ostrich they've probably buried their head in the sand and they're and they're a little behind because this brand is it's 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 really really hot right now um in in canada i think they uh our distributor in canada which is kimpex saw a 300 percent increase year over year uh from 2017 to 2018 and they're absolutely on fire this year again um growing you know by leaps and bounds in the u.s 
um, I would say the same thing. We're, we're growing very quickly. Um, you should be able to find it in your local store or any of your better online guys will have it as well. Um, you know, we, we prefer that you try on any safety device before you buy it and that you buy it from where you tried it on. I bumped me out when I find somebody that went into a store, spent 20 minutes of the store's time to get sized for the right helmet, never with the intention of buying it there. Um, you know, I think you'll find that our prices online are the same as you're going to find in the store. So if, if you've taken the time to go to the store to, to, to make sure that it's, you know, to check it out, buy it there. Yeah, and bring, bring your goggles along with you. I, I find that's a huge help. Bring the goggles, uh, or whatever goggle you're looking to purchase. I, I, I honestly, those things are about as married as they get on, uh, when it comes to, um, what, what you're going to be wearing. And honestly, if you're a neck brace guy, bring your neck brace with you too. Like that's all, all the things that sort of work in conjunction. Make sure that those things are, are married up and, and going to be, uh, performing well for you. Uh, that's probably the best advice I can have. Uh, when it comes to fitting a helmet, and yeah, support your local dealer. That's why like, uh, people wonder why local dealers don't uh, show up at uh, local races as much as they used to and stuff like that. And, and it's because a lot of people are, are online uh, basically full-time doing doing their shopping. So support that local dealer that has uh, an LS2 helmet for you. And, uh, yeah, John, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, this has been an awesome time for me to to, to connect with you. And it's just, it's just so awesome to see your, the passion that you have for the sport of motocross and just the uh, the knowledge that you've accrued over the years. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'm glad you were able to make some time for us today. Thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwix candles, soy candles, and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com.